0: Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Women's Day Podcast, a look back at some of the highlights from the past five days. And this week, we reflected on Stephen Fry's BAFTA's comment, which led to him leaving Twitter. We discussed at what age women should stop dyeing their hair, if at all. And our legal team from Man Benham gave us the lowdown on our rights when it comes to buying and selling property. But first, we were joined in the studio by two women campaigning for tougher sentences for sex offences in the Isle of Man. Sadie Sanders and Lisa Taylor were incredibly open about how their own personal experience of sex abuse has affected their lives. Here's Lisa.
2: The impact of of the abuse continued um, right through my life from when I hit puberty and actually realised the implications of what had happened. Um, and it's created poor mental health, really, on and off for my life, yeah.
1: And you have two children, um, they're both, well, one's 18 and one's nearly 22 now. What about the effect on them?
2: I th- I think um, they've tried to remain positive about what has happened in my life. Obviously, they they have always known, because it has always been something that has had such an impact on me. Um, I, I just... It's obviously
1: incredibly yeah, difficult to... It, it,
2: it is difficult when you think of how it impacts on your children. I mean, obviously, as a mum, you want everything to be okay for your children, and the fact that something happened to you as a child that then impacts on your children it's it's hard it is hard but having poor mental health because of the abuse it it impacts on everybody that i know
1: we're also joined as so mentioned in the introduction by Sadie and Sadie you were also abused at a, a very young age
2: um, from the age of 8
3: to 12 um, and by it wasn't a family member it was just someone i met out when i was playing and did you tell somebody and what no. was happening why not I, don't, I can't answer that question because I'm really close to my mum and I can't understand why I wouldn't, but I just didn't. And at what point did you decide that was something that you could tell her about? Um, last, not the Christmas just, but the Christmas before, I'd sent my mum a text message and she was sat in Paragon Restaurant eating a meal and that's how I told her. And how did she react to you? She was at my house within about 20 minutes. It was awful. Why did you
1: decide, Sadie, that that was the point where you needed to to tell um, her? The
3: police, it all happened at eight o'clock in the morning and a policeman just knocked on my door because Andrew Burns had um, made diaries of the whole thing. And um, the police found his diaries. So I didn't actually, I wasn't, don't think I'd have ever told anyone. Well, we're also joined uh, this afternoon by Paula Genning from
1: Victim Support here in the Isle of Man. Paula, these women have done an incredible thing by breaking their silence what what do you think of what they've done
4: like you say it is it is incredible almost words can fail uh, failures to you know what they've come through and how hard and how brave it is to actually say um and and be able to tell you know what's happened to them that's the you know really hard thing for them and um like you said uh, as lisa was saying before it is a life punishment you know what people go through because it isn't just what happens at that time through, you know, what happened at the incident as such, um, it continues in your head um, and that's a difficult, you know, process and um, it can be awakened by all sorts of things, you know, and triggers at different times and uh, it's not just um, say something on the television can trigger it. it, can be smells, sights, sounds and so it, it is ongoing.
1: and. With that in mind, what sort of support can victim support give to people in these sort of situations?
4: Well, it varies from individuals, but it's definitely the emotional support that we can give in the initial stages. We're not counsellors per se, and we never profess to be. and That's almost um, another stage up from us, really. But we provide psychological first aid for people and talk through some of the common reactions, because often I think some people can think that... Um, what they're going through is completely alien and they're going you know, mad and things like that whereas actually it's very common for what they've been through and to sort of you know to help them through that process really.
1: And Lisa and Sadie I just wonder from a point of view of, of being now so close to somebody who's been through something similar how has that helped in a way Lisa?
2: It has helped to um, to actually be able to speak to somebody who truly, truly understands how I feel and and understands how difficult those feelings can be to to hold down and hold back because they do just come up just like paula said they, they just appear you know with triggers and and all sorts of things you can be going about your daily life and somebody happens to say something not meaning anything really in particular and it can spiral you into you know awful awful thoughts and and take you right back
1: with that in mind then, how did you come to the decision that you wanted to be so open about it, that you wanted to to talk to people about it, to, to tell people what exactly had happened to you? Because presumably, in some ways, that means you reliving it.
2: Yes. Um, when I saw the the um, interview with Andrew Byrne in the paper about, um, about him going to prison, I was just incensed that, he got such a short sentence, um, and initially I, I I did a a letter, an anonymous letter to the paper, and I thought that might help the feelings. It didn't, so I decided to start a petition. And I thought, well, my family and friends know about me anyway, and it doesn't really matter what the rest of the Isle of Man think of me having been abused, it, it doesn't matter whether they've really got opinions on me, that something had to be done, something had to be said, the conversation had to be had with a lot of people on the island. We're joined
1: in the studio by the Women's Day legal team this afternoon, Carly Stratton and James Peterson from Man Benham Advocates, and we're going to be talking about legal matters relating to property, and I guess Carly, first of all, just explaining Why, when it comes to buying and selling properties, that there are so many legal issues that seem to be sorted out? It does get quite complicated, doesn't it?
5: It can do. I think the main thing when you buy a property is that you understand where the boundaries are on the property and what rights go with the property. For example, it might have a right of way with the property over a particular piece of land or what rights the property is subject to. Again, it could have a right of way. Someone has a right to walk over the garden or typically in a state sort of format, you might find that you can't do certain things with property. Often you see you can't keep pigs in the back garden. Is that true? Yeah, and some of them, yeah, or hens. Oh, hen's in the back garden, yeah. And um, sometimes you have to keep the boundary fences in a particular manner. So it's often useful to know what you can and can't do, or the extent of your land, because that's often where you find disputes can arise.
1: And how well do you think we as property owners actually understand that? Because to be honest, I mean, I I moved house fairly recently. Um, I know all these legal things were done and, and dealt with. I can't say I've looked at them in detail.
5: It's really important you do look at them because what you can often find is someone will buy a property and they might want to put an extension on it, or it could be quite a large property and they want to put another property somewhere on the land. But there could be a restriction on how many properties you can have on the land or there could be a a restriction whereby you must get another landowner's consent to develop that land. And that's a typical thing you can see. So it is important to look at them, I'm afraid. But isn't it that
1: why you get your your advocate to to sort all those things out for you and hope that they will will flag those up to
2: you?
5: Yeah. So what should happen is when you, you... buy the property the advocate should go through the rights you get and the rights it's subject to so you fully understand it but what the other thing i often say to people is, is there's a particular thing you're looking to do with the property i'm not saying look into the crystal ball in 10 years down the line but is there a thing you're thinking i really want to do that now because you, you can then look at it and say if there's a particular what we would call covenant to stop or restrict them doing that thing now you mentioned boundaries um what about
1: things like hedges and planting a hedge you know, if you've
5: got a, if you're overlooked in
1: some way, what can and can't you do there?
5: It's quite difficult that because there's it can get quite complex between what what's there or what the deeds can say you can actually do. Has it got to be a fence at a particular level and you've got to keep it at that level or a hedge at that particular level? Or uh, is there some written agreement that you have a right to light or earn in respect of a particular property? Sometimes I've seen that written into a deed as well before, so they might be restricting that right in some manner. Now, you mentioned dispute, and when it comes to um, properties, I'm guessing that things
1: can get a little bit heated at times what happens in that sort of situation if a neighbour
5: is disapproving of something that you want to do? Well the best thing to do if there is someone in that position is to look what the rights are attaching to your property. So what what have that next door neighbour agreed to do or not agreed to do? Because that's often the starting point to see if there's something there. So for example, if I take it, they've got to maintain the fence, but the fence is in a position of disrepair. There might be something that says they're under an obligation to do that. Or it might be that you have to contribute towards the, the cost of that if it's a shared boundary. Um, so I think it's just looking within the deeds of the property or the title to the property to understand that position as a starting point and then take it from there.
1: Now, James uh, Peterson, you deal with sort of disputes in this area. Um, First of all, I mean, how common are these sort of disputes here?
6: Um, They're not uncommon. The problem with... The problem with neighbor neighbor disputes is they tend to get very contentious very quickly, which also invariably means they get very expensive very quickly if you're both employing advocates and having a massive fight about it. Um, it does happen sometimes. It can't be resolved by any other other means. Fair enough. I mean, you, without revealing, I've tried to reveal who the clients are. I, I've known instances where um, property has been, so well in part sold by mistake. You've got, uh, there was one instance where basically two pieces of, um, land were supposed, one piece of land was supposed to be sold, but another piece of land was s- sold accidentally. Um, other instances where I, th- what a bit of land was sold twice. Other instances where you've got, um, rights of way across a piece of land to get to your own property and that uns, ends up getting blocked which causes a massive argument between the neighbours, all fairly resolvable but unfortunately it causes, it causes upset and uh, and uh, people to start uh, writing angry letters to each other.
1: Um, that right away in front of property is an interesting one um, because if you say you're in a semi-detached house and, and it's a sort of a, a, a dead end, are you allowed to park outside your house if you're potentially blocking your neighbour getting in and out?
6: Hmm. I'm going to take a leaf out of my uh, colleague Chris Webb's book and that and answer it. It would have to be answered on a case-by-case basis. Uh. <laughs> uh,
1: we've had a text in saying wish there was a law or bylaw
5: regarding idiot neighbours feeding gulls. Any ideas? I think they're bringing out rules all around various places aren't they now in public places about feeding gulls. I think there's some in Peel and Douglas and
7: there are indeed it'd
5: be good if you could it'd be good if you could actually um get
7: that put put in place so neighbours stop it definitely yeah
8: i think the crazy thing about all of this though is that once you've taken these disputes to that level you have to continue living next door to these people.
1: The BBC trust said there was clear public value in moving BBC three online as independent evidence shows younger audiences are watching more online and less linear TV. The BBC director general Tony Hall said it will save the corporation 30 million pounds. Couldn't believe that. Uh, but these plans have caused controversy or controversy, however you say it, whichever you prefer, uh, prompting the save BBC three campaign, which saw more than 300,000 people sign a petition to keep the channel broadcasting on television. Um, But with the increasing popularity of services such as Netflix and Amazon Prime, could this just be another nail in the coffin of traditional television? I mean, really, it is. I don't think... Anybody really watches television in the normal, in inverted commas, way anymore?
8: Oh, do you know what? I th- I think they do, and um, well, I, I'm speaking for everyone really, but I I personally miss having real TV.
1: Yeah, so you don't. That's the no. point, isn't it? No,
8: but it's not because I don't want it. Because actually, I just moved into somewhere where I I didn't have a television, and I've just never got around to sorting one out. And I really miss the structure. I miss. I know that sounds crazy. I've got Netflix. I've got Prime. I made sure I had both of those. And initially I was thinking, oh, this is amazing. I can watch anything I want. But then you sort of open your computer and go, oh, what do I choose? And I it's- love the fact that every time you do anything like that, that voice comes I know, out. I the voice, isn't it? It is
7: the voice. That's Stop what we need to call her, isn't me. it? The voice. <laughs> uh, can I just say it's controversy? It's controversy. In a Manx accent, we've got to get back to the Manx again, haven't we? And I'm uh, glad you said that because last week I had to say that, didn't I? Controversy or controversy? Mm. Well, people like, get really annoyed, the don't
1: they? I'm am not, not sure on that one, which is the correct pronunciation. Well, it's got to be know.
5: it's got to be
7: controversy. <laughs> Uh, anyway, back to the TV thing. I've never watched BBC Three, let's just say. Um, but you the did other watch thing is Gavin and Stacey, didn't you? I, that wasn't on BBC Three, though, originally. That came on to BBC, I'm sure. It was created originally.
8: for BBC Three, apparently.
7: Oh, Paula well, Gelling is a ghast. You haven't seen it. seen it. Were you a fan? i haven't I've watched
4: seen... Don't Tell the Bride? No, It's amazing. Never. never.
7: But actually, I do watch normal TV. Thank you very much. No one watches normal TV.
1: I watch normal No, so TV. do you watch it with the adverts? Do you watch? You don't fast forward it at all. You watch it the normal
7: way? Uh, some pro programs, yes, some programs, but also I watch a lot of BBC that doesn't have adverts so, um, but yeah, I mean if it's a program that's got adverts I might sky plus it, but actually yeah, if it, if it is on BBC at that time then I will watch it, that's for sure but no, the whole online thing I mean I've got a teenage daughter that just watches everything on Netflix now, you know and I hate it because she sits there one after the other, after the other, mm-hmm. after the other just episode after episode and I think
1: goodness me, was it series doing, do after series after
8: series yeah, as addictive. well, because they're all on there aren't they? Oh, Do you know the
1: thing that annoys me is that you will sit there and think, right, I'm just going to sit down after doing all my little jobs around the house. With a bag of mini eggs. Oh, yes. And uh, I'm going to watch some telly. Okay, right, sit down. And you scroll through, goodness knows what, to pick the lesser of the most boring things. Do you know what I mean? There's hardly ever anything that I think I really, really want to watch that. I'm just watching it for the sake of watching it, because there's that much choice out there. Do I sound like I'm rambling? That's purely because Sex and City is finished,
7: (laughs) isn't it? Because you do watch box set after box set of that. It's hard to pick the right thing, isn't it? When I don't watch TV mm. that much, and if I do and if I watch a movie, it takes me forever to decide, and I get really annoyed halfway through if I'm not enjoying it. I just think, what have I wasted? I might as well have been doing something else. Because there is, as you said, right, so Christy, there's too much choice now.
8: Yeah I think there probably is but yeah it's great to be able to look back on things that you've missed like you said box sets and things that's brilliant and there's several programs I've missed because I haven't got a TV that I've then gone back and gone it's okay because it's all on one of these other online channels and yeah that's brilliant but then yeah actually I end up getting a bit bored by watching the same thing over and over again even if I am running through a series I kind of think I just want something that's you know a bit banal really. I don't I've, know.
7: I've got a bone to pick with you.
4: Why?
7: Yeah, because in actual fact, you made me download a series. I bought it on iTunes last week, actually talking about box sets, and it's rubbish. Oh? Yes. So you owe me some money now, Christy De Haven. What, what was, that? was it? Um, It was that programme that you said best, like the woman that forgets her children at the car, you know, um, at the car to take them to school. Greenwing?
1: Yeah, it's the one. <gasps> rubbish. How can you not like Greenwing? <laughs> <laughs> but do you know, just think about children, the way my children Physicians. watch telly. I'm just uh, moving on, moving on. Um... They don't have any concept of just watching a programme from start to finish. My eldest will literally sit there, oh, yeah, just fast forward this. Even if the others are watching it, Mm. it's just really annoying. I just, oh, let's bring back traditional television. Let's start, let's just bring it back.
7: Women Today, brought to you by CityWing.com for your next flight away.
1: Is pole dancing suitable for eight-year-olds? Well, viewers have hit out at ITV's This Morning programme after children were shown pole dancing in crop tops. And on the show, there were eight-year-olds, uh, Tilly Mae and Tamir, and 11-year-old Mia. They were dancing around in their outfits, being watched by their mothers, and the dance instructor, Zoe Hardy. Here is an extract from the show.
4: Yes, we've got the yeah. girls here. We've, here got, we've, got, um, we've got Tilly May, who's eight, is. Mia, who's 11, and Tamir, who's eight. And they're gonna show us what their pole fitness classes are all about. OK, girls, you take it away. There well done, go. girls. Well I done to girls. say, it, it looks yeah. such hard work. Yeah, it's really hard work. As mums of the girls there, why did you let them do this? Tilly was bullied at school um, for being fat and not interested in what the other girls did. So it was advertised, and I just asked, I says, oh, look, this is advertising, it's another form of fitness would you like to give this one a try? Having tried normal dancing and other activities, she just never really stuck to it. She came to it and she's never looked back. And did you not... Were you not concerned? Just no. That, that con- when you no, say to people, no, the girls are polled fitness. Done? When you actually see what they physically do. Lorraine, can I, can I ask you, I mean, <laughs> what do your family and friends think of you letting uh, Mia go, go to this class? Yeah, I mean, have you had all, any problems from them? Not
0: really. They're all very supportive. I mean, she's done competitive gymnastics in the past, which is, I think, is very similar to this. Well,
4: it's a a pole or a bar that's just the other way around.
0: Yeah, exactly. She's tried lots of activities, so this was something new. She likes to challenge herself, so why not?
1: Well, on the show, there was also the psychologist Emma Kenny who said, I don't doubt for one minute that the girls keep fit and I also don't doubt that the moves we've just seen are pole dancing rather than pole fitness. I think we are in a culture that sexualizes children and whatever way you look at it, it's inextricably linked to sexualisation. Try saying that quickly. Uh, she continued, it undoubtedly includes sexual views. So we want to know what you think about this one. Is pole dancing too sexual for eight-year-olds or is it just a little bit of fun? Let us know. Uh, women today are at manxradio.com. You can text one double six one double seven huge reaction to this and on the women today facebook page which we'll come to in just a moment um really interested in your thoughts on this though christy what do you reckon
8: I think it's um it's what we bring to it as the viewer i think we've we've all been kind of discussing this and i think that's sort of the overriding view and interestingly we'll come to the facebook comments but most people are actually quite positive about
1: it um which i find interesting in itself i was quite surprised actually because i imagined that most people were going to be against Mm. it i mean that was certainly the reaction largely to to this being on this morning yesterday but then
7: again is that your mindset
1: Oh, that's an interesting question. Do you know, no, I don't think it is. I think the problem is, as Christy said, we are looking at it from an adult perspective and we obviously know the other connotations of pole dancing. I think maybe I would have felt happier with what was on the show yesterday if there have been boys there doing it as well. This shouldn't just be an activity um, of fitness for girls. I know that, but I was
7: watching Take Me Out on Saturday night and um, one of the contestants, a man, actually did some pole dancing and he did make it look incredibly um, hard to do and obviously he was incredibly fit doing it, but there was like a little bit of a slimy kind of tinge to it as well and I think unfortunately that has been brought in. Do you know what worries me? I, I don't have a problem with these kids doing it. I think it takes an awful lot of strength to do it, and I think it's brilliant fitness training and I prefer them to be doing that than sat on an iPad at home. However, what does worry me slightly is what they're wearing. That's the first thing that caught my eye, because they're in little hot pants, and they're in this little crop top with this little bow on it. In actual fact, why can't they just be wearing like leggings and stuff? But then we had a discussion about that, and I was talking to Christy about it, and then I suddenly realized, I thought, you know what? In actual fact, if you think of male ballerina and ballerina boys, it leaves little to the imagination, doesn't it? So realistically does the costume matter so much and again
1: is that just us looking at it with adult eyes knowing what we know I mean the, the reality of this is is that I'm sure pole dancing is really quite difficult to do it's almost an art form in itself it is,
8: yeah, and obviously over the years adult pole fitness has become a really big thing and it, it's sort of a 1980s thing, isn't it? The whole sort of pole dancing and putting money in and underwear and things like that. That's sort of the old connotation of it. it has There has been a bit of a battle um, for people to, who are, are into the pole fitness to change that sort of view of it. I think the unfortunate thing perhaps about the way this was portrayed is first of all the screen grab that they use from the video and you can see the video on our Facebook page if you follow the link there. The screen grab does have one of the girls in a really unfortunate position and I think they've done that, you know, sort of intentionally. Uh, But also I think maybe the setting that they had them do do the work at in because actually the moves themselves that they're doing do look just like gymnastics. But the setting they have them in, in quite a sort of dark corner of the room and the way it's lit and everything, I think itself adds something to
1: it. Dax Patel, you have four children, three boys, one girl. Would you have been happy with your daughter pole dancing at a young age in, in terms of fitness?
0: Yes, I don't mind her doing it as long as it's not got any people observing it because she is innocent in this. And when we do uh, at Manx Gymnastics uh, near the Grandstand, at early age they've been taught, which is like pole but it's flexible, the monkey ropes. And it's to uh, create strength, flexibility, and they're very innocent in all this. It's who is watching that's... uh, I think it's not just who's watching. I
7: think it's who's choreographing it as well. <laughs> I think that was nearly right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, that Joeism word. Fine. Choreographing. <laughs> Love it. Um, no, I don't. It's quite embarrassing. Yeah, whoever choreographs it.
0: <laughs> Maybe at the say. gymnastics as a fundraiser, we might get a poll and take on this idea of having boys doing it because, yes. you know, they can all do it. Um, but and you see know, how it, depends how it, it depends what they're doing.
7: It depends what they're doing. Their moves, though, doesn't it? Because yeah. you obviously, when you see ladies pole dancing, unfortunately, they are kind of gyrating a, a pole, which is completely, you know, incorrect. However, it's inappropriate when you're looking at kids doing this routine. They're kind of le- using their strength to go up onto the pole. I'm trying to explain it visually, which you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are using their strength. So it depends how the routine has been worked out, doesn't it? And as you said, Christy, correctly, in what kind of atmosphere mm-hmm. you are going to get people observing it. I think naturally, because like with any kind of routine, parents are probably gonna be then encouraged to come and watch their children perform. So I don't think we can get away from that, but it's created such a thing on our Facebook page that I decided to get in touch with Savina who um, is an instructor at the island's first pole dance fitness studio and she's commented on the Facebook page and she says we as women met some hostility when we opened the studio five years ago. We then met more when we tried to host a family night for our ladies to show off their dance performance strength and skills to their loved ones at a local venue which is what threatened they would lose their licence if we did and now this. Let's bring children into the equation to make it sound like we are exploiting their innocence. This is fitness for any age, way Size Or sex Oh there's a word That sex these children don't know the meaning of yet and why Mm. would they the problem lies within the issues these ridiculous people have themselves would they prefer if these children were fat and sat at home and when they go to school be bullied I've been a personal trainer for 21 years and a boxing coach with my children children of my own stripper is not on my CV I work hard to teach happy healthy people of all ages all types of exercise fitness pole fitness being the most popular because it's great fun and tough at the same time instilling confidence and self-efficiency into anyone at any age has wonderful rewards.
1: Uh, Jenny Quick you've been looking at this video and you've been seeing some of the comments on the Women's Day Facebook page what were your initial thoughts about pole fitness for such young young girls?
8: Um, I think initially you do get a bit of a shock because it's something that you don't see and um, the opinions of pole dancing or pole fitness on the island in particular has changed in recent years I've got to say because I recently put on my personal Facebook page asking whether um, pole fitness actually helps your fitness and so many people came back including a man came back and said that he absolutely loved it and it's so good for your muscles and things so in that way I think it's, it's good for the kids it is a gymnastic form um, but again it depends on what they're wearing and their audience so it's a tricky one Uh, Lots of thoughts on this. Let's take a couple of them now, Christy. Yeah, there's been loads. Uh, Julie says it's not much different to kids learning tango or the salsa, etc. It's a great fitness regime. If the kids enjoy it, let them do it. Uh, And Mandy says, I wouldn't even say just a bit of fun. It's more genuine fitness. We had poles at primary school to climb, hang from, spin around on. It was part of our gym class. Anything that's encouraging children to exercise and be healthy is a good thing. And Debbie says, I've just started pole fitness myself. It's a brilliant form of exercise. Very like gymnastics surely would be a beneficial form of keeping healthy whilst having fun. It's a reflection on society that many automatically think of it as only being found in strip clubs. Believe me, there's nothing remotely sexy about me spinning on a pole. (laughs) Kirsten says, if people feel that eight-year-olds' pole
7: dancing are inappropriate, then they need to have words for themselves. And Heather says, I think they should stop calling it pole dancing, which is a really good point. Um, It has a sexual connotation and refer to it
1: as assisted gymnastics or something similar. We are joined live in the studio today by Daxa Patel and we were hearing a little bit earlier, Daxa, about your early years in London, your economics degree and and your work in the Financial Times. (laughs) Uh, You came here for a more sedate lifestyle, I imagine, in 1998. Mm. So, Iyengar Yoga, who is that most suited for then? That's uh,
0: BKS Iyengar. He introduced this to the West. He died, sadly, two years ago
1: at the age of 95, Mm. yes. And so, who would be most suited to these sort of classes? Any,
0: any person. So, I'd give classes to children, to adults, People with disabilities, like this morning, I had the class at the hub, which is for complete beginners or people with injuries or can't do a full class. So you change the class, you structure the course to, uh, the, the, to your needs, basically. And is it something that you practice yourself every day? I did on my way here. If people were watching me driving the car, they would. Have How did you do yoga when you're <laughs> driving a car? I was doing my breast uh, of car breathing. I was doing the. Um, there's nose, n- Nadi sudasna and then, you know, also doing Simasana, so that, you know, I'm not tense, because this is new for me, speaking live. I have come on in the past when I've brought students for Pestalozzi here, but I'm just the observer, and they're in the hot seat.
7: Within your practice, do you, um, and within your classes, do you teach meditation as well, mindfulness?
0: It all comes in together. It's a total package. What you have to commit is an hour and a half and you get everything in that. And mindfulness has always been there. It's just an, a buzzword at the moment.
1: Well, you have mentioned um, already your work with Manx gymnasts, and, and I'm guessing yoga may be, I don't know, a prelude to that. You need to be flexible, you need to sort of have the right sort of breathing and posture, et cetera. Is well, that a natural progression into that?
0: Well, How gymnastics started was because when we came, our children couldn't do any sports because they were under the age of eight. And gymnastics is a, a sport that you can start very young, at three, four, two, three as a toddler. And when Anand, our oldest, who was in the Commonwealth Games, and we had our first boys and girls team for the Commonwealth in Glasgow in 2014, his reception uh, report said he had very, very poor spatial awareness. And this is what got her started at... Gymnastics And our Russian coach, Gennady, had just started at Manx Gym. And he goes, yes, yes, come, come. I said, how about our number two Said, Oh, yes, bring him too. So that's how gymnastics all started. From what was one hour, two hours, to what is four days, three hours, sessions. And what about the
1: impact on a young person's body? Is it okay to be... Well,
0: you know, doing yoga, I do have issues because of the kind of thrusting you're doing on the joints. And joints like your ankle, knee, hips are very delicate. But I think combined with like, you know, doing yoga to s- open up those areas that you hold in tight tension, works together. Just explain to us what
1: Pestalozzi is all about. What
0: Pestalozzi? It's evolved from what it was, which was taking uh, displaced children from the Second World War, to refugees in the 60s, to what it does now, which is take young students from the age of 16 to 19, and gives them two years of education and board in Hastings. So they take students from disadvantaged backgrounds, humble backgrounds, so the countries we get students now is Belize, Bhutan, India, Nepal, Indonesia, Tibet in in exile, Uganda, which is only in the last few years. It had nothing to do with me. Uh, Zambia and Zimbabwe. So these students are selected and they come and have education on board.
1: Something else that you're involved with is Prison Works and there's an event coming oh, up at the start of next this month. This is
0: completely new. A friend of mine, Marcy McLeod, um, is behind spearheading this prison works. And so she asked Dax, would you like to take part? And I've always wanted to go to this hotel up north. So this is where (laughs) I'll be going. I'll be handcuffed on the, uh, was it the 5th? And then taken in for 24 hours. So I'll be processed like anybody else. And I'll learn a bit more about prison works, as it's called. And it's about serving the needs. I'm reading here. Serving the needs of offenders, ex-offenders, people at risk of offending, victims of crime, family members of all four, and members of the Isle Man community.
1: <laughs> and uh, another text in, I dye my hair and wear a denim skirt without tights and I'm in my 50s and I get loads of looks and turning heads, probably because I'm a man. <laughs> do you keep your eggs in the fridge? No. Where do you keep them?
6: Anywhere but the fridge. In <laughs> Back <the> cupboard. cupboard. <laughs> <laughs>
7: Where do you keep your eggs? Fridge, I know you're not supposed to, but in the
8: fridge. Where do you keep your eggs? In the cupboard, in a pickled jar, because of pickled eggs. I had four uh, put out, And the other one's in the fridge. Where do you keep your eggs?
7: In the fridge. Why? Keep them fresh. Do you keep your eggs in the fridge? No. Where do you keep them?
8: On the worktop by the side of the cooker.
7: Do you keep your eggs in the fridge? No. Where do you keep them? On
2: the windowsill in a a chicken that Sue gave me, you know, the sort of wire chicken thing. (laughs) Why is that then? I don't know. I don't like them out of the
7: fridge. Do you keep your eggs in the fridge? I do. No. No. Where do you keep them? On the side. Do you keep your eggs in the fridge? Oh no, I don't. No. Where do you keep them? Um, just on the worktop by the uh, cooker. Any reason why? Um, in
4: case they're too cold when you cook them, because I don't like the yolk. Um, in case it, yes, it doesn't doesn't get cooked properly.
7: <laughs> do you keep your eggs in the fridge?
4: They're on the side next to the microwave.
8: Yes, <laughs> I do.
4: Why? I just do. My
8: mum always did.
4: <laughs> no, I don't.
8: Um, I think that they are better to cook with, and I've always thought that that's probably where they should be, actually, not in the fridge. Even though there's supposed to be an egg section in the fridge, no, I never have. I don't know why. I think perhaps my mother didn't.
7: Do you keep your eggs in the fridge? Yes.
4: No, in a bowl on the table. You meant to, weren't you? You don't want them getting warmer. No, definitely not.
0: Where do you keep them? Um, We keep them just in cardboard egg boxes, because I have hens. So, no, we'll never refrigerate eggs. The yolk and the white will separate if uh, it's been kept too cold.
1: As it's Friday, we like to finish with some music to ease us into the weekend. And after seeing them at the Peel Centenary Centre last Saturday, I wanted to play you something by the band Scarlet Parade. They were also guests of Christie on the Sunday soundtrack last week. And I am really ashamed to say that despite one of their members being the brother of a really close friend of mine, I'd never actually heard them before. I was completely blown away with them at the weekend. Uh, it, the concert also featured the hugely talented Ruth Keggan, Sarah Hendy and Matt Creer. So here now is Scarlet Parade with Liar Liar. Have a great weekend. I have lived
3: my life In the cold grey light I have seen this day. I held my mother's As the man was shot before Close my eyes and pray they never saw me These are the things I said you never seen you lurking time.
6: Fair.
7: today brought to you by citywing.com for your
1: next flight away thank you so much for downloading this women today podcast don't forget the show is on live just after two o'clock every weekday you can catch up on demand at manxradio.com and keep up to date with what we're doing on our facebook page or at mr women today on twitter until next time goodbye
5: Stands and conditions apply.